And there's one thing we must not forget, the operator is the one who is in permanent daily contact exchange with the guest. So if we would claim to know anything better than the operator, that wouldn't be arrogant, that would be stupid. No, we don't. So we have to listen to them. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going fantastically, Josh. How are you? Doing well, doing really well. Matt, I feel like we've come across another milestone episode here on the Attraction Pros Podcast. Why would you say that? Well, we uh, we crossed the 300 mark. 10 episodes ago, which means that this is now episode 310. And that is a number that holds a very special place, at least in my heart. So does that make this a giga podcast? I think that makes us a giga podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, why, why would 310 hold such a special place in your heart? Well, for those who don't know, First of all, welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast. (laughs) Your first time tuning in, right? Uh, My favorite roller coaster of all time, I'm I'm pretty vocal about this, is Millennium Force at Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio, which is 310 feet tall. And uh, at the time that it opened, uh, 23 years ago in the year 2000, it was the tallest and fastest roller coaster in the world. Today... We are talking to Sasha Chilbuka, the executive vice president of Intamin, who manufactured many rides, one of them being Millennium Force. So let's nerd out just a second. What is it about that 310-foot monstrosity that keeps it in the top of your coaster rankings? Because you've ridden a lot of coasters, mm. and it's it's near the top of mine as we've talked about many times, Um, very, very close, always in contention. But what is it for you that keeps it uh, at that, uh, at that spot on your list? You know, it's a good question. And here's the thing. I could list off the stats and say it goes 93 miles an hour and and the speed and the pacing, and there's no mid course break and it doesn't let up until it hits the break run. And, And those are all true. I also think nostalgically for me, Personally, I almost felt like it was a, a turning point in my love of roller coasters when I when I wrote it. Uh, when it opened, I was 13 years old uh, in the year 2000. And I I remember the, the months leading up to it, I was following the construction process. And it was uh, there was so much of this anticipation building up. And Matt, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of scared. I, I had just started liking roller coasters maybe a year before that. And I really was working up and building this courage. So the year that it opened, I, I went to the park and and I didn't ride it. Part of it because it had an extremely long wait. And I think the other part of it is I used that extremely long wait to justify, well, I guess I can't go on and I'll go on it next time, right? 
so the next year when I came back, I, so I, I wrote it not in its opening season, but in its in its second operating season, I think that it had it had built up even more of that anticip that anticipation and that excitement. And I think I waited a little bit less than the you know the the three hour wait that I saw the the year prior. I think maybe it was two hours. It definitely wasn't a it wasn't a, a light wait because it was still extremely popular and in the year twenty twenty three also is extremely popular. And I just remember writing it and and thinking like this is it like this is like i've i've been following the process of the the, the construction of it it uh, you know it, it was it was still the tallest roller coaster in north america at that time even though it it didn't hold the the tallest and fastest in the world for very long i uh, you know it still was just one of the most iconic things i i had ever seen and when you look at it you think like if i go on that i'm going to I'm going to have a lot to brag about when I, you know, get back to school or, you know, I see my friends again saying like, I did that. So to answer your question, that's what I think of, of why, why is that my favorite ride? I think it's because the emotional impact it made on me 22 years ago. Well, and I would say it's still making an emotional impact or, or maybe it's better to say you have an emotional connection to it. Um, and hearing that story, it's almost as if you've grown up with Millennium Force, um, you know, and, and you mentioned something really interesting about how in the in the early days, you know, there was those long lines and those long waits. And the last time I was at Cedar Point, the waits were just as long, yeah. which tells me that we're not alone in thinking that this ride is still iconic. This ride is still still pretty extraordinary in the world of of white knuckle rides. And that actually brings up a question that maybe I I need to do a little research, but our guest, Sasha, talks about white knuckle rides. And it got me thinking, there's no coaster that's named the white knuckle or anything like that. Are you aware of any coaster that's named that? We can very quickly pull up RCDB <laughs> and, and determine it. Because if there's not, I think there should be. Right, we could, right. We can find out. Should we do some live research right Let's here? Let's do some live research. Right. White um, knuckle. Nope. No. Nothing, nothing in the database was found for white knuckle. So when you build your park, I think one of your coasters needs to be the white knuckle, because that's one thing that, that I thought was really fascinating, fascinating about what Sasha talked about is there's those white knuckle rides. Uh, a millennium force would, would certainly be in that category where you're holding on for dear life. Or if you're like you and I, our hands are up like this. Um, but then you've got the family rides and you've got all kinds of different attractions that ap appeal to different people. And I thought it was really fascinating how he talked about from the very beginning of the conversation, we talked about persistence and the way that Intamin kind of approaches their business is really being persistent in their pursuit of a, an amazing ride, an extraordinary ride that is that is built for that particular park that's built for a specific demographic that is is supposed to you know create certain emotions and certain certain feelings in people but at the same time you always have to think about the budget you know the realities of it the the things that might get in the way another structure or a landmass or those type of things um but it all comes down to you know being persistent in that vision of looking to create something that's extraordinary extraordinary and that will last 
Mm-hmm. You know what I think is cool too is uh, uh, kind of the the way that Intamin has evolved over time with the new innovation and the development of their technology and and their products and and you can see and and feel that in in real time at the time of this recording just a few days ago I rode Demon Drop at Dorney Park which I rode many times kind of growing up at when it was uh, located at Cedar Point and then the next morning I rode King Ka and El Toro which you can really see kind of this, this passage of time of they've, they've gone from this to that and yeah. they can still embrace the nostalgia and, and the you know, uh, original technology, which is actually still pretty impressive on Demon Drop. And then you got King Daka, the, the tallest roller coaster in the world, the you know, hydraulic launch coaster and El Toro, you know, wooden coaster and being able to see just how much they've done uh, and I would say accomplished in the industry and, you know, uh, just over, over the last several decades. Well, and one thing that ties each of those three attractions together uh, and that Sasha goes into some detail is a, about is safety. Right. They approach everything with safety as the first thing. And he even said there could get to a point in a project where they said, we can't do this. Like we can't accomplish this in a safe way. So we're not going to do it. But their persistence kicks in and says, we can do it differently. We can make this compromise or this change. And then we can we can uh, bring that to life. So I thought it was really interesting to hear him talk about how safety is really what starts everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then even tying in just kind of the, uh, I, I would say the innovation brought up by challenges, whether it's from safety or external factors, we get to hear the story of how the hydraulic launch coaster came to be. And we know that, you know, Accelerator, well, you and I know at least that Accelerator <laughs> was the first one at Knott's Berry Farm in, in the early 2000s. And uh, I think 2002 it was. That was initially supposed to be a, a you know, a, a linear motor launch, and uh, and they ran into an issue and had to change the launch, and and that's how that's how they came up with this. So what do they say? Uh, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and they're no strangers to that. So, so should we uh, sit up right, hold on tight, and get to this interview with Sasha Chilbuka? Let's get ready for some airtime. All right. Hello, Sasha. Welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you doing today? Hello, Matt. Hello, Josh. I'm 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 doing fine. Excellent, actually. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we're so excited to jump into this conversation. Uh, first of all, can you give us kind of a a background about your history and a little bit about what you do at Intamin? Um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, my background: I was uh, born and raised in uh, Vienna, Austria. Um, I um graduated from the um, University of Economics and Business Administration with a master's degree in Vienna. And shortly before I left university, I actually started my professional career um, in our industry. So uh, I haven't done any uh, proper job uh, before that. Um, I started with uh, Hustrides. They were looking at, uh, in those days, for someone taking care of their uh, North and South American uh, sales efforts, and um, I wanted to get out of dusty Vienna and 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 see the world. Um, so I I thought, why not? And 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 the interesting thing is, until that time, I had very little connection uh, to the uh, amusement and theme park uh, industry. I mean, uh, there is one uh, pretty renowned uh, park in Vienna, the Prater. Um, and then on my first uh, trip to the States um, after high school, 
I've been to uh, Disneyland uh, and to Universal Studios in LA, and that was it. Um, so I joined Hus, and um, as green as one can be uh, behind the ears, and um, I happened to be uh, at the right time, uh, at the right place, and obviously, uh, yeah, um, also hard work and a lot of luck um and um yeah um it was fun excitement and um i was climbing up the career ladder and i think it was yeah a good three years after i started when they offered me uh the position of uh heading sales and marketing uh worldwide and you know i was below 30 so i mean young green fresh uh, and totally excited so I took up that responsibility and after almost five years, um, felt a little bit homesick. And um, it was the time when the dot-com bubble uh, was growing. And a friend of mine had an idea um, to set up to a startup uh, business and uh, that sounded um, pretty exciting. So I decided um, to leave Hus, handed in my resignation um and um yeah started to turn down things uh, in germany and then something strange or weird or however you want to put it happened exactly one day after i resigned uh, and i had my my contract was still running so i had another 6 months to go and uh we 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 agreed on on purest confidentiality for various reasons and so on but exactly one day later intermin called and they said, I'd like to talk to you. And, um, um, and and I felt extremely honored. I mean, if you think about it, the big intamin uh, is, is, is reaching out to you. And um, yeah, and they said they look, um, they would, they could see me working uh, with intamin and, 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 and um, I, I, I was extremely honored, um, but I kindly and respectfully turned the offer down. Huh? Because, you know, um, I wanted to go back and 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 um, then one of Intamin's cornerstone characteristics, if you so want, uh, popped up, persistence. They kept on calling and uh, and then they, they, they said, you know what, come to our headquarter in Liechtenstein, have a look at everything. And um, so I finally gave in and said, okay, you can have a look. And it was a it was a beautiful winter day in January, snow all over, no clouds uh, 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 in the sky. And and I realized, hey, this is just 45 minutes away from my favorite ski resort. And um, skiing already at uh, those days was one of my biggest passions. And so I was thinking back and forth, I said, you know what, Vienna can wait. Let's Let's do that for a year, two, and then I can go back. Well, those two years um, turned out to be very long two years. Um, that was 23 years, a little bit more than 23 years ago. Um, and I started with Intamin. Um, the, the, the official um, terminology was managing director. Um, sounds much more than it actually was. Um, I was basically, especially in the beginning, um, yeah, uh, helping uh, in, in in sales and marketing efforts, 
um, administrational stuff like insurance, patent law, legal stuff. And then as time uh, evolved, I, I was focusing more and more on business development, sales marketing, and um, the boring uh, legal stuff. And that's what I'm still uh, doing today. And uh, yeah, which involves a lot of traveling, obviously, um, and um, which I still like. Um, and um, yeah, and then because it's also part of my professional career, uh, I have been, yeah, pretty early on uh, involved with uh, um, IAPA. And um, I've, I've, I've uh, been a member of various committees, uh, um, at some time also chaired uh, committees on the MNS side, the, the European uh, MNS subcommittee, the Global uh, Manufacturing Suppliers Committee. Um, I uh, had the honor to serve um, on the Executive Finance Committee of IAPA and also had two terms uh, on the board of directors. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm still serving at the moment um, on the European Advisory Committee. And uh, yeah, and that obviously also uh, is an important part uh, of my professional career. So Sasha, over the last 23 years with Intamin, I can say as as a consumer, I've been able to see a lot of the, the product that Intamin has, has put out, been able to see the, the evolution just from, I would say, a spectator. Can you talk about perhaps what what that's been like uh, just over, you know, over the course of the last two plus decades of Intamin's continued, I would say, evolution and also innovation of of being cutting edge in uh, in the industry? Um, it's it still is an exciting journey, especially in this context. Um, when I joined Intamin, the only thing I I had reasonably, um, yeah, re reasonably well knowledge was if you so want round rides. I mean, basically what the 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 portfolio of horse rides. Um, but I had no clue of roller coasters. I had no knowledge of water rides. Uh, giant wheels, all kind of free fall towers, and all the technology uh, that stands behind it. And um, what very, very soon um, overwhelmed me um, was the 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 innovation of the company and constantly pushing the envelope. And um, how no matter how crazy uh, the idea uh, sounds, whether it's brought to uh, uh, to Intamin or someone within uh, uh, the company comes up with the idea, there's always an open ear and you will never hear, no, cannot be done. And um, and now 23 years is a, is a yeah reasonably long time. Um, and still today, this attitude has not changed at all. Uh, and that is, I think, um, yeah, one of the, the unique things um, that, that makes Intamin. Um, and um, what is also not, cannot be taken for granted that it's now the uh, the third generation it's still it's family business um 
founded by um, three individuals. Uh, two of them were brothers, uh, Robert and Reinhold Spieldiener. And Patrick, um, who is Reinhold's son, um, he's running the company for yeah a number of decades now. And his two sons, uh, Lucas and Kevin, started a couple of years ago with Intamin. So it is family business. And what they all have in common is to still go for it. And, uh, and that is, like I said, not granted at all. Uh, you cannot take that for granted. But um, yeah, that's... That's the fantastic thing, um, and that that makes Intamin unique. Sasha, and, I and love everything that comes with it. I mean the 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 innovation strength. I mean, quite a number of technologies um, have been um, either invented or or developed developed to to uh, maturity uh, by Intamin, and continues to be the case. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I love hearing that philosophy that um, you know you won't say no. Um, you'll figure out how to make it work, right? And that goes back to persistence, I think, as well. Um, Absolutely. One of the things I'm curious about is, you know, Josh and I have talked to a lot of people, you know, on the podcast and, and just in general about safety from, you know, the operator's perspective and what we see when, you know, after a ride is installed and we we understand what those safety procedures are and, and how that, um, you know, things are put in place for the guest safety. And we all know that safety is the number one factor of our industry. But I'm curious how that plays into the design process. And when somebody does come with a wild, crazy, wacky idea, you know, at some point you say, okay, we can do this, but we also have to make it safe. So I'm curious what those conversations and that, that philosophy looks like. Well, like you, like you just said, Matt, safety is that that's where everything starts with. And this counts for the operators and that also counts for the uh, manufacturing suppliers. I mean, that's the headline of everything we do. Huh? So we are not questioning how, what, uh, yeah, how does it need to be done so that it's safe? It's taken as granted that whatever we do, it has to be safe. And if there is an idea and, and, and we realize it could be, physically uh, or technically done, but not safely, then we don't touch it. And then you will hear, well, unfortunately, in, in, in this configuration, it's not possible. However, if we amend this, change that, then uh, eventually it could do. So it starts with safety. That's the cornerstone of everything um, we do. And what is obviously pretty helpful um, nowadays are the, the available um, technologies. Or I would actually start with um, the norms and standards we have in place. I mean, in, in Europe, we have the European norm 13814 um, in the US, ASTM, and those two uh, actually are intertwined. Uh, in, in China, we have uh, the GB norms in Australia, Australia and so on and so on. Um, there are differences, but what they all have in common is to make the rides absolutely safe. And we have to follow with whatever we do. It starts with the uh, design and engineering. We have to follow those norms. It continues with the uh, manufacturing process, then uh, and, and, and with the installation and then putting into operation and so on. Then there are third-party inspection bodies. Um, 
for instance, in, in, in Europe and especially in Germany, TUVs is, is very well known and um, they are experienced. Um, they look at it, if you so want, from the outside and they um, make sure that whatever we do is in accordance with uh, the existing and applicable norms and standards, uh, also meets their uh, requirements. Then the software, when it comes to designing and engineering uh, a ride. Um, I can give you at least an indirect example. Um, 10, 15 years ago, when we have uh, uh, created a layout, so a client came to us and said, look, this is the available area. Um, I saw this coaster, looks nice. Can you do something similar uh, here at, at, at my park? Um, and then considering the uh, the restraints uh, or the, the, the situation, uh, uh, the particular situation of that site, we came up with a layout. And then obviously the question was, well, how fast is the train here at that spot? What uh, G-forces uh, are the passengers experiencing here and so on? And obviously we had uh, some numbers. And then in, in the best case, the client said, Yes, we have a deal. Go ahead, build, uh, design and build uh, um, that coaster. So then you do all the uh, engineering and then you have the end result. And then when you compare it with your initial um, layout or shot and the end result, I would say the difference was somewhere, yeah, could have been even up to 10%. Huh? And um, Normally, the design attempt or the targets were a little bit too optimistic because then came the norm, the experience, ah, you cannot go with that uh, speed into that uh, uh, curve. You need to bank a little bit more. And, 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 and Today, when we do a layout, and we call it internally a sales layout, uh, which means there are not detailed dynamic and static calculations done, but... It is still um, quite an effort uh, where special software um, engineering skills and then go into. And the result of that first shot, if you so want, compared to the end result is an accuracy of yeah, 99 point. And now we can argue about, about the number behind uh, the dot. So yeah, it is almost as built, which is amazing and only possible because of the available um, technology, in, in that case, uh, uh, software. And the same goes for all the processes when it comes to the detailed uh, design and engineering to the manufacturing. I mean, with all the automated uh, processes and also with all the uh, the checks and, and everything you do during the manufacturing, the degree of safety is exceptionally high. Uh? And um, for everything we do, every kind of rights, um, when we start the uh, the execution process, the first thing uh, we do with all involved parties sitting down and do a risk assessment and think of the impossible, if you so want, and then how to mitigate it. Uh, um, obviously, that also the more experience you have, uh, the better is the uh, is the end result. And we are fortunate that we do have a lot of experience in house. Um, and um, yeah, with with every ride we hand over, we are 
absolutely convinced uh, about the safety and that what we have done is to our best knowledge and uh, based on our experience and everything. Plus, and that's important, all the other parties involved, um, making sure that this is the case with the operator um, who also um, looks into that process in most of the cases or hires a third party um, to look over our shoulders if you so want. So under normal circumstances, uh, there is quite a huge effort to guarantee safety. Whereas, I mean, you know, we, we cannot guarantee 100% uh, as we all know. Uh, it's, um, um, yeah, but um, it's, it, it's a daily effort. This so is so it, answered, it answered your question to some extent, at least. Oh, it did. Absolutely. And, and thank you for sharing kind of how, how safety goes into, you, I, I feel like we just got a full overview of, of the planning process, everything from the sales layout and then into the development and then, and then even into the operation. Uh, so thanks so much for, uh, for giving that overview. Uh, you talked about kind of the, the experience of your team and the talent that you have in-house. And uh, I know that there are a lot of people out there who uh, who probably dream of being a roller coaster designer or an engineer or uh, or in marketing for you know for roller coasters and rides and for the industry and would love to know what what do you look for when bringing on talent to the intimate team? Passion. I think that's um, that's something really, really, really uh, important. Obviously, with the different disciplines, different skills are required. So, for instance, um, to design a roller coaster, uh, you better have an engineering uh, background. Uh, and uh, so mechanical engineering um, is certainly um, a good thing. Sales marketing, for instance, um, I'm a good example that also a non-engineer can survive um, in this environment. Um, so, at, at the end, at the end, um, we at Intamin, um, we are quite uh, engineering driven, and um, um, so that is certainly a, a good thing. But being not an engineer is not 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 excluding. Obviously, um, another thing which we look for is the the passion comes a little bit hand in hand, at least that from my perspective, with the willingness to go the extra mile because of the passion for our industry. And um, let's that you came up with the example of designing roller coaster, yeah. So let's stay there, but that counts for every type of ride and uh, or attraction. Uh, um, and then what we also, in some cases, at least look for is experience. And that's the challenging stuff, because on one end, you want to get new talents and, and help them developing and, and, and bring them up. At the same time, uh, you have work to get done. Uh, and, and this uh, in a rather short time. Time is, is, is basically the factor... Uh, besides uh, too low budgeters, we're always fighting against. Um, um, and um, they're finding the right balance. Um, but uh, looking at the various departments, um, we have at our headquarters in Liechtenstein, where we are uh, quite a bit over 
100 um, people, we have quite quite a high number of young people, I have to say. So when, when, when I go to the cafeteria, um, I feel like someone has to bring me uh, the wheelchair because uh, um, oof, such old people uh, need to be taken care of. Yeah? And um, yeah, so that's basically, um, I'm, I'm repeating passion is, is, um, is really something important. So whoever is listening um, and, and, and connected to our industry in what way ever, uh, um, that's a good starting point. Absolutely. Passion is certainly something that Josh and I feel for the industry, and obviously you do too. Um, it's why we started this podcast. But there's there's something on the kind of enthusiast side that we also wanted to ask. Speaking of passion, Josh and I have passionate conversations about our favorite roller coasters. And one of them that always comes up is Millennium Force at Cedar Point. And, uh, you know, that was, it sounds like that was right around the time that you joined Intamin about 23 years ago when that when that coaster was built. But still... Such an amazing ride, such a favorite of so many people. And I'm just curious, like, can you imagine when you put something out there that 23 years later, 25 years later, that it's still going to be such a favorite? And, you know, kind of what is what is that like from a from a manufacturing standpoint? Well, obviously, you dream uh, of that. Yeah. And. Yeah, even at running risk, that that sounds a little bit arrogant, and actually it does. But I would say, yes, that's how we approach every project. Uh, that is basically, if you want, that's the passion part uh, of, of, of our uh, roller coaster design department. Um, and um, the vast majority uh, of the engineers there are, um, yeah, I don't like the term that much, but nothing else comes to my mind now, nerds in the most positive and best sense of the word. And um, for them, it is always, they don't obviously care that much about budget restraints or site restraints. They want to always come up with um, a fantastic result, a fantastic coaster. So, and then reality kicks in uh, and um every almost every layout we do is a compromise and um that compromise or, or the reasons for that compromise um can be almost everything you can think of it can start with uh the sites that there are existing structures which have to be considered and which then force you to make uh, movements in course of the track, which you normally would not do, and they have an impact. And then in some cases, you actually um, make an advantage out of that. In some cases, they restrain you. Yeah? Um, then you may have um, restrictions by the defined target group. Yeah? Uh, obviously, Millennium Force uh, is a thrill. It's a, it's a, it's a white knuckle coaster. Yeah? Um, if you are targeting for a, 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 a the family audience uh, that obviously results in, in, in totally different parameters uh, you need to consider and, and, and the result, which does not necessarily mean that all family coasters are boring. I can give you a couple of examples where it's the total opposite. Um, one of them actually is, is a, 
one of my favorites. Huh? And then, last but not least, if you so want, also to be mentioned is budget. Huh? Sometimes also the available budget um, puts restraints on you. And and then we must never forget uh, every attraction that is put into operation um, better makes economical sense for the operator because that's the basis for the next investment. And if that does not work, the whole thing uh, gets cracks and uh, yeah. So coming back to your question, yes, that's that's uh, uh, that's the the dream or actually more more dream our demand we always have. And um, in quite a number of of, of cases we, we 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 succeeded, I think. I have a follow-up question to that because not only is Millennium Force my number one favorite roller coaster, and I'm not just saying that, Matt can back me up on that, that I've said it many times, is uh, for me, that was actually where I started my career. I was a ride operator at Cedar Point and was able to spend two summers at Millennium Force. And for me personally, I always say that my favorite position to work on that ride was the unload dispatch because I was just as the train was coming back into the station, you could see a, a level of, you know, disoriented kind of, you know, views and, and people trying to, you know, gain their composure back and being able to, you know, ask them saying, welcome back. How was that ride? And hearing very enthusiastic responses. The question I have from that is for you, what, what do you look for when you are, when you are visiting parks? Are you, are you standing there at the exit? Are you, are you getting the reactions and, and what does it mean for you of being able to, to see the final product in place? Because the guest doesn't see everything that you just talked about over the last 15 to 20 minutes, the, you know, all of the safety that goes into it and the, the layout and the budget and the constraints and the parameters and the engineering, they just wait in line, they ride the ride and would love to know as far as what, what you're seeing from from your lens when perhaps when you're standing at the exit and you're watching people get off um it's, that's a really good question now before i put myself into uh, that location to get um an idea or actually more than an idea of of, of the of the guest feedback and that's what counts at the end of the day uh, I obviously write it myself and um, there you do get a first impression, but it's still your own opinion and, and which is influenced by many, many, many factors. Um, um, so despite that, I hate opening days and press days because that's normally when things go wrong in the sense of, you know, everyone's looking at it. Uh, you eventually did not have enough uh, time and days to uh, do all the tests you wanted to, you have this opening day deadline and um, and and and. Um, but in most cases, those uh, days turn out to be really nice ones. And um, the last one uh, I attended is, is 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 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think what is it? Good two month um, in Madrid at Parque Buenaer for the um, official opening for uh, Batman, um, the new Batman coaster, um, the Gotham, Gotham, Batman Gotham City uh, Escape. And um, well, the only place to be is at the exit of the station when, when the passengers get off and then eventually see how many are going or actually running back uh, to the entry of the queue line. And that's uh, when you get the first good feeling of whether you succeeded 
and whether you have a success uh, uh, product coaster in that case, or if it's only okay or whatever. Uh, and my target, and then and, and I push for that uh, to quite an extent um, within Intamin, and, and it is the company's target, and not because it's mine, it's the other way around. Design a coaster that the passenger can only be torn out of the seat after the train returned to the station because he wants to do it instantly again and again and again. And then you know you have a winner because, I mean, let's face it, every new ride will attract uh, the audience um, at the beginning in the first season. But the success is defined by the years to come and how popular the attraction uh, remains to be over many, many years. And that's where, that that's my definition for a, for a successful uh, and, and, and good, really good coaster. Mm. And Millennium Force definitely is such a, such a coaster. Absolutely. And, and just to tie into some of the passion and maybe nerddom, um, this will be episode 310. And that this was this was on purpose to interview uh, you for episode 310. So thank you for being available for that. Um, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about the the guests that you just mentioned, the guests that want to stay in the seat, the guests that really tell us if we've got a successful product or not. Um, have you seen their appetite change? I mean, certainly they're looking for bigger and bigger thrills, but also you mentioned the family and maybe they don't want to get on a millennium force or something that goes 90 something miles an hour. So have you noticed the appetite changing or is it kind of the same, just the thrills are getting bigger or I'm just curious kind of what you all are seeing from, from the, the, the demographic standpoint. Um, I think that the 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 the, the appetite um, has not been changing. I mean, this is this that's that's a constant um, development and 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 then reevaluation and 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 per definition, it is changing. It is constantly changing, and it's it's adapting, and we have to uh, keep this in mind. And with what we do, have to adapt to. In some cases, we initiate this changing uh, taste, if you so want, uh, with making, developing new um, or applying technologies to our products which uh, have not been applied before or even develop them by ourselves. Um, or... And because that's 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 the same uh, uh, that happens um, on, on on the same base and same level that operators and there's one thing we must not forget the operator is the one who is in permanent daily contact exchange with the guest. So if we would claim to know anything better than the operator, that wouldn't be arrogant. That would be stupid. No, we don't. So we have to listen to them and. Um, find out what do they need, what are the trends they are seeing, and be a partner when it comes to the, the execution of, of, of the right uh, uh, product, right, uh, right if you so want, um, to, 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 to meet that changing uh, demand and taste. Um, mm. But 
to give you one example um where we have been yeah from from very very early on um involved in the development launch coasters which are now for all segments so it's no longer only the high end uh high thrill white knuckle uh type of coasters um i would say 90% of the family coasters we do nowadays, and we do quite a bit, uh, they just are not so marketing attractive, if you so want, than, than the big ones. But you would be overwhelmed if you see uh, how many family coasters we work on. The vast majority are launch coasters, obviously, with much lower um, G-forces and acceleration rates. So family friendly, uh, we call them actually family thrill coasters. Uh, um, because we also want to make sure that um, enthusiasts like you get off and say, hey, that was much better than I expected. Uh, um, and so the launch technology, which Intamin uh, played from the very beginning, uh, a, a very yeah, vital uh, role. Uh, it started with the um, linear induction motors in the 90s. Then, um, I, don't, I don't know, Maybe this is, gets too long, but I, I try to keep it short. Uh, the next development were the hydraulic uh, catapults, uh, hydraulic launch coasters. And this happened um, because of a yeah, not so nice um, situation in California uh, in the early 2000s. Um, we had contracted um, with Cedar Fair a um, linear motor launch coaster for Knott's Berry Farm. And then there was this, I think it was Enron, uh, this scandal in California in particular, which led to uh, a power shutdowns and outages and the uh, um, the county uh, withdraw um, the permission for that um, launch coaster because of the high energy consumption or actually the provision, the energy consumption is not that high. It's the peak power which for a very little, uh, very short time, you need uh, a few megawatts. And in those days you did. Um, and so they revoked the, the permission and Nuts came to us and said, hey, you probably heard of that. We do have a problem, but don't worry. Um, we still want the launch coaster. We're still committed to the opening day. You just have to come up with another uh, technology. And this is how the hydraulic catapult was born, which, um, I think it was yeah over 20 launch coasters based on this technology we then um have executed over the years the the um uh, top thrill dragster king dakar and the the uh, formula rossa which still today um holds the world record for uh, the fastest coaster on earth um so and and then every technology has its pros and cons. And obviously uh, the hydraulic system is uh, maintenance in, uh, intensive. Um, at the same time, the linear motor technology continued to develop, power efficiency increased. And um, at some point uh, it was the, the, when it came to launch coasters, the technology of choice. Uh, and uh, we then have developed our own um, um, LSM, Linear Synchronous Motor um, Propulsion System, which is the most powerful on the market, and um, because that's helpful when you want to go for it, uh, mm -hmm. obviously. And um, 
over the last, I don't know, 10 years, to be honest, I don't know the exact number, but uh, a couple of dozen um, linear motor-based uh, coasters uh, we brought to life. And uh, the count continues, so like your podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that's so fascinating. I did not know uh, that story with knots and how the hydraulic launch came to be. So thank you, for, thank you so much for uh, for sharing that story, uh, Sasha. We have a, a few minutes left here, but uh, would love to know uh, what's the best professional advice you've ever gotten. <laughs> that's a that's a tough one, um, and 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 why tough? Because I mean, many of those advices are so. Oh yeah common sense and then I heard that about 500,000 times before and how boring. But um, I was kind of looking back uh, uh, to the advances I got over the years or the experiences I made. And eventually if someone would have given me uh, this particular advice, it would have made my and especially other people life easier. Uh, um, one advice for instance would be, be yourself. Um, in the sense of don't pretend to be someone else. Um, at the end, it will be artificial and your counterparts realize that. Um, at the same time, show respect to others. Uh, um, since I'm working in sales, um, I always try, I not always succeed, but I always try to put myself um in the client's position, when we are, for instance, in negotiations or when um, we are in determining a layout and, and stuff like that. Um, and then all of a sudden you get a different perspective and then you go back to yours. And then um, I found out it's, it's considerably easier to come to results which are okay for both uh, if you do that and not only go your way and then and, and push your thing uh, through which you say, yeah, that's that's the only way. Huh? Um, and um, yeah, it goes a little bit hand in hand with treat others the same way you want to like uh, you want to be uh, treated. Again, very general. Heard about uh, heard it fifty times. And probably the last one, which I should have gotten earlier. Listen. I was just listening to see if you were going to say something else. That's a great one. Um, and and you're right. Those are things that we've probably heard a lot from our parents, from other leaders. Um, but they're not, they may be simple to say, but not easy to execute. And I think that's why they they keep coming up as, as great pieces of advice. So thank you uh, very much for sharing all those, Sasha. Um, this has been a fantastic and fascinating conversation. Sasha, if people wanted to learn more about Intamin or get in touch with you, where would you send them? Um, learn about Intamin, I would send them to our uh, website. That's uh, Intamin.com. If uh, for whatever reason they want to get in touch with me, uh, they can uh, They find me on LinkedIn. Uh, they can uh, send me an email. Um, it's Sasha.Chibulka and good luck by spelling that correctly. Uh, at intamin.com um yeah that's that's how to get in touch and hold of of of, of uh, intamin and and eventually myself 
Excellent. Well, we'll put those in the show notes, make it easy to click so they won't have to uh, worry about trying to spell it. That's highly highly recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sasha, I echo Matt's uh, comment. This has just been a a fantastic conversation. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to chat with you today. So thank you again so much for, uh, for joining us and for everyone out there who is watching and listening. Just remember, we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.